Chapter Eighteen of April's Lady. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. April's Lady by Margaret Wolf Hungerford. Chapter Eighteen song have thy day and take thy fill of light before the night be fallen across thy way sing while he may man hath no long delight what a delicious day says joyce stopping short on the hill to take a look round her it is the next day and indeed far into it luncheon is a thing of the past and both she and dysart know that it will take them all their time to reach st bridget's hill and be back again for afternoon tea they had started on their expedition in defiance of many bribes held out to them for one thing there was to be a reception at the court at five many of those who had danced through last night having been asked to come over late in the afternoon of to-day to talk over the dance itself and the little etceteras belonging to it the young members of the monkton family had been specially invited too a sort of make-up to bertie the little son of the house who had been somewhat aggrieved at being sent to bed without his share of the festivities on hand he had retired to his little cot indeed with his arms stuffed full of crackers but how could crackers and cakes and sweets console any one for the loss of being out at an ungodly hour and seeing a real live dance the one thing that finally helped him to endure his hard lot was a promise on his mother's part that tommy and mabel monkton should come down next day and revel with him among the glorious ruins of the supper-table the little monktons had not come however when joyce left for her walk going out lady swansdown said to her meeting her in the hall fully equipped for her excursion but why my dear girl we expect those amusing burks in an hour or so and the delaney's and yes why go repeats beauclerk who has just come up his manner is friendly in the extreme yet a very careful observer might notice a strain about it a determination to be friendly that rather spoils the effect her manner toward him last night after his interview with miss maliphant in the garden and her growing coldness ever since has somewhat disconcerted him mentally could she have heard or seen or been told of anything there might of course have been a little contempts of some sort people as a rule are so beastly treacherous you will make us wretched if you desert us says he with impressement as he speaks he goes up to her and lets his eyes as well as his lips implore her miss maliphant had left 
by the early train so that he is quite unattached and able to employ his whole battery of fascinations on the subjugation of this refractory person i am sorry don't be more wretched than you can help says joyce with a smile wonderfully unconcerned after a dance i want to walk to clear my brain and mr dysart has been good enough to say he will accompany me is he accompanying you says beauclerk with an unpardonable supercilious glance around him as if in search of the absent dysart you mustn't think him a laggard at his post says miss kavanagh still smiling but now in a little provoking way that seems to just at his pretended suspicion of dysart's constancy and dissolve it into the thinnest of thin air he was here just now but i sent him to lose the dogs i like to have them with me and lady baltimore is pleased when they get a run isabel is always so sympathetic says he with a quite new and delightful rush of sympathy towards isabel i suppose glancing at joyce keenly you would not care for an additional escort the dogs and dysart will be sufficient mr dysart and the dogs will be says she ah here he comes as dysart appears at the open doorway a little pack of terriers at his heels what a time you've been cries she moving quickly to him i thought you would never come good-bye lady swansdon good-bye glancing casually at beauclerk keep one teapot for us if you can she trips lightly up the avenue at dysart's side leaving beauclerk in a rather curious frame of mind yes she has heard something that is his first thought how to counteract the probable influence of that something is the second a little dwelling upon causes and effects shows him the way for an effect there is often an antidote delicious indeed says dysart in answer to her remark his answer is however a little distrait his determination of last night to bring her here and compel her to listen to the honest promptings of his heart is still strong within him they have now ascended the hill and standing on its summit can look down on the wild deep sea beneath them that lies to all possible seeming as calm and passive as their feet as might a thing inanimate yet within its depths what terrible what mournful tragedies lie and as if in contrast what ecstatic joys to one it speaks like death itself to another the bridegroom sea is toying with the shore his wedded bride and in the fullness of his marriage joy he decorates her tawny brow with shells retires apace to see how far she looks then proud runs up to kiss her shall we sit here says dysart indicating a soft mound of grass that overlooks the bay 
you must be tired after last night's dancing i am tired says she sinking upon the soft cushion that nature has provided with a little sigh of satisfaction perhaps i should not have asked have extracted a promise from you to come here says dysart with contrition in his tone i should have remembered you would be overdone and that a long walk like this would be the very thing to restore me to a proper state of health she interrupts him with the prettiest smile no don't pretend you are sorry you brought me here you know it is the sheerest hypocrisy on your part you are glad that you brought me here i hope and i deliberately am glad that you did do you mean that says dysart gravely he had not seated himself beside her and is now looking down her from a goodly height do you know why i brought you to bring me back again as fresh as a daisy suggests she with a laugh that is spoiled in its birth by a glance from him no i did not think of you at all i thought only of myself says dysart speaking a little quickly now call that selfish if you will and yet he stops short and comes closer to her to think in that way was to think of you too joyce there is at all events one thing you do know that i love you miss kavanagh nods her head silently there is one thing too that i know says dysart now with a little tremble in his voice that you do not love me she is silent you are honest says he after a pause still looking at her if there wasn't hope one would know though the present is empty for me i cannot help dwelling on the thought that the future may contain something the future is so untranslatable says she with a little evasion tell me this at least says dysart very earnestly bending over her with the air of one determined to sift his chances to the last grain you like me oh yes better than courtney for example with a fleeing smile that fails to disguise the real anxiety he is enduring what an absurd question then dicky brown yes but here she lifts her head and gazes at him in a startled way that speaks of quick suspicion there is something of entreaty too in her dark eyes a desire that he will go no further but dysart deliberately disregards it then beauclerk asks he in a clear almost cruel tone a horrible red rushes up to dye her pretty cheeks in spite of all her efforts to subdue it great tears of shame and confusion suffuse her eyes one little reproachful glance she casts at him and then of course says she almost vehemently as if a little faintly her eyes sinking to the ground dysart stands before her as if stricken in stone then the knowledge that he has hurt her pierces him 
with a terrible certainty overcomes all other thoughts and drives him to repentance i shouldn't have asked you that says he bluntly no no says she acquiescing quickly and yet raising an eager loving face to his i hardly know anything about about myself sometimes i think i like him sometimes she stops abruptly and looks at him with a pained and frightened gaze do you despise me for betraying myself like this no i want to hear all about it ah that is what i want to hear myself but who is to tell me nature won't sometimes i hate him last night yes i know you hated him last night i don't wish to know why i am quite satisfied in that you did so but shall i hate him to-morrow oh yes i think so i hope so cries she suddenly i am tired of it all he is not a real person not one possible to class he is false naturally treacherous and yet she breaks off again very abruptly and turns to dysart as if for help let us forgive him says she and then in a little frightened way oh i wish i could be sure i could forget him why can't you says dysart in his downright way it means only a strong effort after all if you feel honestly with an earnest glance at her like that toward him you must be mad to give him even a corner in your heart that is it says she there the puzzle begins i don't know if he ever has a corner in my heart he attracts me but attraction is not affection and the heart holds only love and hatred indifference is nothing you can get rid of him finally says dysart boldly by giving yourself to me that will kill all all he may be going to say is killed on his lips at this moment by two little wild shrieks of joy that sound right behind his head both he and joyce turn abruptly in its direction he with a sense of angry astonishment she with a fell knowledge of its meaning it is indeed no surprise to her when tommy and mabel appear suddenly from behind the rock just close to them that hides the path in part and precipitates themselves into her arms we saw you we saw you gasped tommy breathlessly from his run up the hill we saw you far away down there on the road and we told bridgie the maid that we'd run up and she said cut along so here we are you are indeed says dysart with feeling we knew you'd be glad to see us goes on tommy to joyce in the beautiful roar he has always adopted when excited you haven't been home for years and bridgie says that because you are going to be married to get up tommy you are too heavy and besides i want to kiss mabel says tommy's aunt 
with prodigious haste and a hot cheek but mommy says you're a silly billy says mabel in her shrill treble and that mommy is a shocking rude person says mr dysart hurrying to break into the dangerous confidence no matter at what cost even at the expense of the adored mommy his remark is taken very badly she is not says tommy glowering at him father says she's an angel and he knows i heard him say it and angels are never rude twas after he made her cry about something says mabel lifting her little flower-like face to dysart's in a miniature imitation of her brother's indignation she was boo-booing like anything and then father got sorry oh dreadful sorry and he said she was an angel and she said oh mabel says joyce weakly you know you oughtn't say such well twas your fault twas all about you says tommy defiantly why don't you come home father says you ought to come and mommy says she doesn't know which of em it will be and father says it won't be any of them and what's it all about turning a frankly inquisitive little face up to hers they won't tell us and we want to know which of em it will be yes and it gents demands mabel who probably means giants and not cold meats i don't know what she means says miss kavanagh coldly i say you too says mr dysart brilliantly wouldn't you like to run a race bridget must be tired of waiting for you down there at the end of the hill and she isn't waiting she's talking to mickey daly says tommy oh i see well look here i bet you tommy strong as you look mabel can outrun you down the hill she she cries tommy indignantly i could beat her in a minute you can't cries mabel in turn nurse says i'm twice the child that you are your legs are as short as a pin roars tommy you couldn't run i can i can i can says mabel on the verge of a violent flood of tears well we'll see says mr dysart who now begins to think he has thrown himself away on a silly hussar regiment when he ought to have taken rank as a distinguished diplomat come i'll start you both down the hill and whichever reaches bridget first wins the day instantly both children spring to the front of the path you're standing before me tommy no i'm not you're cheating you are cheat yourself mr dysart ain't i all right i think you should give her a start she's the girl you know says dysart there now go that's very good five yards tommy is a small allowance for a little thing like mabel steady now you two one good gracious they're off says he turning to miss kavanagh 
with a sigh of relief mingled with amusement they had no idea of waiting for more than one signal i hope they will meet this bridget and get back to their mother they are not going to her just now they are going on to the court to spend the afternoon with bertie says joyce barbara told me so last night dear things how sweet they looked they are the prettiest children i know says dysart a little absent perhaps he falls into silence for a moment or two and then suddenly looks at her he advances a step End of chapter 18 Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.